to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want to take the time we have remaining and I want to preach to you today a message that is going to be the beginning of a series for the next three weeks, a message we're entitling Church, What Is It All About? I felt impressed to the Lord that as we begin this new year, we need to understand what all this is about. So I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want to read a text and preach it to you today. Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar means son of, so Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Thank you for giving reverence to the word. You can be seated this morning. Now, let me just talk to you today, and I'm going to be talking to the church. I'm just going to be honest. I'm talking to the church, okay, church people today, Christians. Christians is what I should be saying today. Um, all right, here we go. You're saved. All right, let's just go and say it. You're saved. You're right with God. You're born again. You're coming to high praises. You're on your way to heaven. Um, you're attending church. You are a member of the church of the living God. So now what? Is that all there is to this thing called redemption? Is that all there is to this thing called church? Or is there more? I'm here to tell you today there is more. You're saying I'm saved. What's it all about? Well, I want us to explore that today in the next few weeks. Uh, My son's going to preach next week because I'm going to be in growth track. So I just had S. Evan. He's going to tag team with me. Then I'm going to come back the next week. We're going to do a series here. But... I want us to look at Matthew chapter 16 to find the answer to this question. What is this thing all about? In this story, Jesus is with the 12 apostles, 12 disciples, and he asked them two questions. The first question is, who do men say that I am? What's the word on the street? What's the scuttlebutt? What's everybody's opinion about me? And so, I don't know, maybe Matthew or Thomas or Bartholomew or Thaddeus or James, the son of Alphaeus, Uh, or Philip, or, you know, one of them, Andrew, they were all throwing out answers. And one said, some think you're John the Baptist. And another said, some think you're Jeremiah. And some other said, some think you're one of the Old Testament prophets. And another one said, some think you're Elijah. And they're throwing out. Now, I think it's interesting, especially from people who are Jews, that they're all thinking that Jesus is the reincarnation of dead prophets. Because every one of these people they said was dead. So I thought that was interesting. Instead of saying, we, they think you're your own prophet. And so they, they're, they're saying this. Now, let me just stop here because there's a pro- progression I want to go through. And so I want you to really stay with me here. If you went anywhere in the world, in America, right here in Anderson, and did a man on the street interview and said, who's Jesus? You would get a plethora of answers. And most of them would be either partially right or wrong. 
Okay, especially if you're talking to people who are not saved and aren't in church. That's what I'm, that's what I'm really referring to. So you would get, you would get answers like, um, he is the founder of the Christian religion. Okay, well, that's right, but we all know he's more than that. He was a Jewish rabbi that lived a long time ago. Okay, well, that's right, but there's more to that. There's more to him than that. Uh, he was a good man who was unjustly executed. Okay, well, that's, that's true too. Then you would get people who say, well, he's a mythical figure that I don't think ever existed. Well, that's not true because there are extra biblical sources that show that Jesus was a real person who lived 2,000 years ago. Not, not just the Bible tells us this, but there are Roman sources we have. You know, the Romans were in charge back then that, that proved that Jesus was a real person. Then you got people who say the guy was a lunatic. He was just a man, but he actually thought he was God. So the guy was crazy. You're gonna get all these answers, either wrong or partially right. Here's what I wanna say to you, and this is very, 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 very important. For 2,000 years, in each generation, there has always been an identity crisis in the world relative to who Jesus is. Now, Jesus doesn't have an identity crisis, so you understand. He knows who he is. But I'm talking about people that don't know him as Savior like most of us in this room. There's an identity crisis that's always occurring with Jesus. You with me? So there is a need for correct revelation of who he is. Would you agree? Okay. The second question is, who do you say that I am? And before any of the other apostles, the disciples can say anything, Peter pops out and he says, you are the Christ the Messiah, the Savior, you're the Son of the living God. Well, that's the right answer. Now, here's what I want to say to you this morning. I have a question for you. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? And I want you to answer that question in your mind right now. Who is Jesus to you? Here's why. How you see Jesus will have a direct bearing on how you see yourself in relation to God. You had to think when you came to church this morning. How you see yourself will have a direct bearing, or how you see Jesus will have a direct bearing on how you see yourself in relationship to him. Let me word it to you this way. An identity crisis with Jesus creates your own identity crisis. So if you don't know who he is to you, you won't know who you are in him. If you know who he is relative to you, then you'll know who you are in him. Here's another thing that's really important. This is going the direction that I want to take us today. Here's the other thing. Jesus' identity to you also determines how you relate his identity to other people. You got to know who he is if you're going to relate his identity to other people. So if he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and the Son of God, as Peter said, and he is, then that means he is the one who has saved you from your sins and rules in your heart as God and leader and Lord, right? But here's the thing, this also means that he is the one who can save other people from their sins and rule in their hearts and lives as well. And this is the revelation that the world needs because they don't know who Jesus is. They think they do, but they got it wrong or half right. And so we've got to give them the right revelation that Peter got that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, Peter gives this revelation and here's Jesus's response to him. You are blessed, Peter. Because you receive this revelation, not from flesh and blood, this is very important, but from the heavenly father to get your answer. That's what he said, right? One of the most glorious moments in any person's life 
is to have the blinders removed and to realize that Jesus can be your savior. Do y'all remember when that happened to you? Do you remember when you just, it didn't click and you didn't get it and you didn't want to hear the gospel and you didn't want to hear about God and people would try to explain to you and you just shut it off and you turned it off and you couldn't comprehend it and you really didn't care about it and then one day, one morning, one night, somewhere, someplace, somehow, it just clicked? Do you remember that? I call them that, I call it the spiritual aha moment. I see it now. The blinders are removed. The darkness is dispelled. Somebody turns on the light. God does. The light comes on and everything makes sense. You realize that Jesus can be your savior. Everything makes sense. But why? Because the heavenly father dispels the dark. The, The father does it. He turns the lights on. He's the one that helps you to see what you could not see before. Now, now, let me let me show you something. So Jesus is walking with these disciples for three and a half years in a human body, you know, the Christmas story, and they can touch him, they can, they can see him, they can hear him, they hear his teachings, they watch him perform miracle after miracle after miracle, right? For three and a half years, they got a front row seat, and yet what is fascinating is they could not see him as the Christ and the Son of God, unless the Heavenly Father made them see it. Isn't that crazy? So you got to ask, why? I mean, Pastor, I think if I was there, you could see it. Yeah, but they couldn't see it. So why? I have a theory, and I think he kind of hinted at it. It may have been his humanity was blurring the image for some of them to see his divinity. Flesh and blood. Because he told him, he said, my flesh and, he didn't say my, but you might as well say it. My flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. Is that what he said? He said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. No man, including my flesh, it, it took the heavenly father to help you to see this. Are y'all getting this? I'm going somewhere. Here's kind of, I guess if I had to give you the crux of what I'm preaching today. So listen to this. This this is it. Y'all ready? This is what I'm trying to preach today. What is this redemption thing all about? What is this church thing all about? Here it is. God wants to use you. I'm going to point at you. God wants to use you. To show others who are not saved and redeemed that who Jesus is. That he is the Savior. That he is the Son of God. That he is the only one who can redeem you and save you and cleanse you from your sins. And he wants to use the church. All of us. He wants to use us to do the same thing. To help sinners with Jesus' identity crisis with them. Y'all... This is our calling. This is our purpose. This is our reason for existence. I'm talking about high praises. I'm talking about you as a child of God. Churches are in every corner. In the South, preachers are a dime a dozen. Christian TV and radio bombard the airwaves or the cable waves or the internet waves or fiber optic waves or whatever waves that are out there zinging along. 
Oh, on the internet, there are an untold number of avenues to hear the gospel, learn about God, learn about Jesus. And yet, you and I know this right now, millions of people remain unsaved. And it may be that our flesh is getting in the way. I want to preach a couple things right here. Our flesh getting in the way. It may be. I'm just speaking in broad terms now, not necessarily high praises, because I think we really try to fight this here, okay? But it just may be that we are relying on human means to convince people, and it's not going to work. Just because you wear a gold cross on a chain around your neck or a Christian t-shirt or put a fish symbol in the back of your truck doesn't mean somebody, people are going to be running to you, falling on their knees saying, I want to get saved. Y'all want to hear a running joke we have here among the pastoral staff? Would you like to be let in on one? So Pastor Gabe Rogers is here in the back booth. Pastor Gabe, full-time pastor, associate pastor, but he's also our media pastor. That's his primary responsibility, his portfolio. And Pastor Gabe first came on. He was working here. Part of his portfolio is he handles the lights. You know, part of what we do here is we dim the lights and brighten the lights. And a lot of times you don't even notice all that, but he creates sequences for every service. And it's pretty cool and it's neat to do. And it's just something we can do. And I think it helps our, our worship experience. So he'll tell you it's secondary. It's not primary. But, but back then uh, we had a joke. We were singing staff meeting one day. And we were talking about, you know, what, and we always in our staff meeting on Monday, we'll talk about what God has done. And I said, hey guys, I said, let me tell you something great that happened yesterday. We had two people give their life to Christ. And Pastor Gay spoke up and said, yeah, I can tell you why too. He said, it was the lights. <laughs> it was the lights. And we all kind of jumped on the bandwagon and said, yep, it was that sequence, man. I'm telling you, that sequence did something to people. And so we just kind of ran with it. So then ever since then, you know, somebody will get saved and we'll talk about it. And somebody will say in a step, yeah, I bet it was the lights. I'm telling you, it was the lights. But it's a joke because we all know it's not these lights, it's the light. The light of the world. So it's a joke. And so what I need you to understand is our technology, our creativity, our advertising, our marketing, our wordsmithing are totally inadequate to do what the Heavenly Father must do. And if they are effective, they're only going to be effective because God the Father makes them effective and uses us. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 6 verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. See, I, I can't, what we do, all the technology, everything, it's, it's not, it's secondary. It's just going to draw, even my preaching, it's not going to draw. But the only person who can draw somebody to Jesus is the Father. And yet, he wants to use us. I'll get to that. I'm going to show you that in a minute. Now, here's the second one. You might want to pull your toes up in your shoes. Because when I'm talking about flesh, here's the second thing. Now, I think for most of us, this is not going to apply, apply, but I'm going to preach it. And if it does apply and the shoe fits... Change your shoes. Could it be that our carnality is getting in the way of the revelation that the world needs? Our carnality. So we claim to be born again. We claim to be transformed by the power of God. We claim to be new creatures in Christ. You prayed when you got saved and you repented and you promised God that you would repent, oh God, I'm gonna turn from my sins. I'm not gonna say or do those things anymore. God, I'm gonna live for you and I'm gonna serve you. You remember that? You prayed and yet we're still saying and doing and thinking things that are sinful and carnal and ungodly and worldly. Yeah. Yeah. 
You don't have to amen me. I'm just preaching. In Galatians 5, 17, Paul said, for the flesh lusts against the spirit. You know what that means? Your flesh wants things, carnal things, sinful things that the Holy Spirit doesn't want. He's fighting you. That's why you got to fast this week because sometimes you just got to tell your body, you ain't getting your way this week. And the Bible says, Paul went on saying, the spirit lusts against the flesh. What does that mean? The spirit wants things that your flesh doesn't, your flesh doesn't want to fast. Your flesh wants to be fed. So your stomach will growl and you'll get a headache because you're depriving yourself of caffeine and sugar. And so your body says, I want food. And the Holy Spirit says, you're not getting food. Not at least for this meal. See what I'm saying? The spirit wars against the flesh and and here's what it says. And they are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. And you say, oh, pastor, but I want to live right and I want God to use me and I want God to walk through me and shine through me and people get the revelation, but I'm just having a hard time. Yeah, because your flesh is getting in the way. You got to crucify the flesh. You got to tell your flesh, you're not having your way anymore. It's holiness. I'm going to preach holiness for a minute. What does that mean? When you are holy, you are distinctly different than other and other than what you used to be. When you were a sinner, you were unholy. But when God saved you, he made you holy. You're not who you used to be. If any man or woman be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things passed away. All things became new. But if you're still living like a dead person, it's going to kill the reflection and the revelation. So you're at work. And you're in a break room talking to a sinner. And you're trying to talk about church and Jesus and tell them you go to, you're saved and you go to church and they're going to look at you and say, you a Christian? What church you go to, high praises? Is everybody out there like you? Because you ain't no different than me. You talk like I do. You go to the same places I do. You get involved and say, you watch this. Say, you, you, you think just like I do. If that's being saved, what's so different than from, from me? Now, are people going to see Jesus in that? Go ahead and answer it. No, come on now, no, no, they're not. Call yourself Christian all day long, but they're not gonna see the Christ. If you're a Christian, they ought to see the Christ in the Christian. So it is our holiness, our difference, our otherness that distinguishes us from the rest of the sinful people. Watch this, and it is what makes us attractive because it's not us, it's Christ in us. And God's using us to show people who Jesus is and what he can do in somebody's. Help me preach right now, Holy Ghost. What God can do in somebody. So Jesus goes on and says, I'm building a church. And your name is Peter. And he said, upon this rock, by the way, he said, you're Peter, and Peter means a little stone. And Peter's a little stone, you know what a little stone means? Little stone means ain't, you ain't big enough, Peter, for me to build this church on. Because you're not me. Now, scholars are debated about what that means. Upon this rock, I will build my church. 
and the gates of hell shall not, or Hades shall not prevail against it, it proves strong. So they've, they've all, I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you what every scholar says, you know, that the rock is. I'm just going to tell you what I think it is from the context of scriptures. Peter has just said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He's just made a profession that was more than just a theological statement. It was a profession of faith, saving faith. You're, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, and you're the son of God. And so I think that's the rock. That's the rock. And so the confession, the profession that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus said on that, I'm going to build a church. That's the foundation that I'm going to build on. That's the rock. And so people have to put their faith in the rock. And so Jesus is building this church. And by the way, he's doing the building, not us. You can't save anybody. You can't redeem somebody. You can't justify the ungodly. You can't clean up a sinner. But I know a man who can. And his name is Jesus. And the last time I checked in the words of the song, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only he can cleanse your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew. Sweet love and joy and heaven too. For only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Hallelujah. I'm getting Pentecostal. The church is built on the process of people understanding who Jesus is and then placing their faith in him to be their personal savior. Y'all like formulas? Formula. <laughs> so here's a formula. If you like, if you're systematic, I'm, I'm systematic. You got the revelation. The revelation. What's the revelation? You are the Christ, the Go ahead and say it. Son of the living God. So everybody say it. You are the Christ. The, that's the revelation. All right. Revelation's all out there. But it's got to take more. There needs to be a realization. And the only person who can make a sinner realize the truth of the revelation is not you and not me. It's God. But he uses us. He works through us. You are the light of the world. You are the salt. That'll be my next sermon. So God uses us. But once the realization comes, the aha moment, then there's regeneration. And your life is forever changed. But here's the thing, y'all. I'm going to say it again. I'm repeating myself intentionally. God uses you. He doesn't have to have you. But he chooses to use you. Then Jesus talks, and I'm coming to a close here. Then Jesus talks about giving us the keys of the kingdom. And I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. Now, that's what he said. Now, I got keys. Y'all got any keys? Anybody here got keys? Y'all got keys? All right, I got a key. I got a few keys. Now, I got thinking about this. The only reason I need a key is because there's a lock. Right? I mean, if I don't have a lock, I don't need a key. So if Jesus gives me a key, something's locked. But I got a key that can open it. I can open the door because now I got the key. Now, who's locked up? Who's, who's locked, if you will, spiritually? 
Simple answer, it's a sinner. Right? What door is locked to every sinner? It's the door of salvation. Right? Every once in a while, Leah, like, we had, had a family over the night, other day, and she was getting a baby, that just, something, and I was trying to watch football, and she got right in front of me. I said, I can't see through muddy water, baby. Get out. Move. I don't want to miss this. And sometimes she's, I can't see through a door here. You know, you got to move. And, and, and she'll do the same thing to me. But a door, a door blocks. You can't see what's in the other room. Am I right? They've had television shows. What's behind door number one? Or door number two? Or would you like to pick door number three? Right? And you can't see behind what's the door, right? Like does, 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 uh, what was the show, Bob Barker? Yeah, don't they do that in The Price is Right? You got to pick a door? No, don't do that. Well, some shows, make a deal. That's right, let's make a deal. There's doors. And you don't know what's behind the door, right? Sinners don't know what's behind the door. Because they don't, they can't see. The devils put a door up and blinded them, and they can't see. I'm not just making this stuff up. This stuff's in the Bible. Like on time, you'll quote you all the scriptures. But they are in darkness. They can't see, right? So there's a door. They can't see, and they can't get to the salvation. Because, But Jesus says, now I can open the door, because I have the key of David, and I can open the door that no man can shut, and I can shut the door that no man opens. But he said, I'm going to give you all keys so that you can open the door. And swing it open and a sinner can see what's on the other side. And they can see that there is a Jesus who's more than a mythical figure or a lunatic who thought he was God or a Jewish rabbi or the founder of Christianity. But you can see that, whoa, ha ha, he is, I can see it now. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. He's giving you the key. Pastor, how do I work the key? You got to walk right. Talk right, think right, don't make a deal with the devil. Come on, baby, preach a while. Woo! Act right, react right, say I'm sorry when you do wrong. Come on, am I right? You got to know who he is, and you got to believe him. You have the key. And God says, I'm going to give you all all the keys to open the door so that they can see who he is. And then he talks about binding and loosing. I'm closing with this. Binding and loosing. Binding and you bind people up, you can loose people. Did y'all know you can bind people up, you can loose them? That's what the Bible says. And if you bind them up on earth, they're bound up in heaven. Now, that doesn't mean if you put your little brother in a chokehold, that in heaven he's in a chokehold. That's not what that means. It's talking about tying people up, putting them in chains, slaving them. And it's talking about loosing them and setting them free. Now, there is clearly in the scriptures, in, in the realm of redemption and being saved, this concept of being in slavery, that sin puts you in slavery. It is a form of conquest, of bondage. You are bound up by sin and the devil. We just took communion, and one of the beautiful pictures of the blood of Jesus, unlike any other human's blood, was that it is the currency in the slave market of sin for the redemption of lost humanity. 
You were in bondage to sin, but when you prayed, for those of you who are saved, and you prayed and asked Jesus to forgive you, a lot of things happened in your life, too much for me to preach in one message, but one of them is God set you free from the bondage of sin. You were liberated. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So here's what he says. God, obviously, I already told you, you can't save somebody, I can't save somebody. I can't free you from the bondage of sin. And yet, Jesus said, I know I got to do that, but I'm going to get you in on the process. You're part of my building program. So I'm going to make it where you can bind people and loose people. Well, you say, Pastor, how do I bind people? Pull your toes up. When you have an encounter with somebody, a coworker, a family member, a neighbor, some stranger sitting in the waiting area at the airport, some other woman standing beside you at Belk's at the makeup counter, some guy looking at crossbows with you at Academy Sports, and somehow, it almost seems weird, Somehow a conversation starts. You don't even know how, why would they talk? How this whole thing's, and in the course of the conversation, somehow it turns to spiritual things. And God is trying to open a door of opportunity for you to share who Jesus is. But you keep your key in your pocket and you get afraid or you get nervous or you become resistant or you don't feel comfortable or any other number of reasons and you change the subject when you know the Holy Spirit is telling you, talk to them about me. I want you to witness to them. Talk to them. You know it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When it happens, it becomes, it becomes a spiritual moment. We've all had it enough that we know, uh-oh, I got, God's want me to talk to them right now. You know it. You can just feel, it's like somebody pushing you from behind. Get in there. And yet you keep the key in your pocket. When you walk away, they were, when you walked up, they were bound and when you walked away, you're getting it. And if you leave them bound on earth, they're still bound in the eyes of God in heaven. But if you say, Ooh, I'm scared, I'm trembling, we're right here at the makeup counter at Belks. Give me a perfume bottle, I gotta look like I'm doing something. And right there, God just opening the door. And you say, okay, here goes. And you start telling them about Jesus. I'm not even going to try to make it up because there's a zillion ways that those conversations can happen. But you start telling them about Jesus and who he is. You got your key out. And you're opening the door. And if somehow in the break room, there's five minutes left and everybody knows it. You and the, everybody else is left. It's just you and that person and they're crying. And they're saying, God's been dealing with me. I need Jesus. My life's all messed up and I know you know him. What do I do? Oh, get your key out. And start unwrapping the ropes. And said, I'll tell you what I did. I just said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me and come into my heart. I believe you died for me and 
save me. Oh God, take my sins away and I'm going to turn from my sins and live for you. That's all you got to do. That's it. That's all you got to do. You want me to pray with you? You're trembling because you know the boss may walk by, but who cares? God will always get you a better job. Grab them by the hands and say, just pray this. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and pray them through. When you get done, you won't see it in the natural, but in the spiritual, you just dropping chains. I hear the chains falling. <laughs> chains are falling. Ropes are coming off. And they get up. They walk. They walked into the break room bound, but they came out like Lazarus. Loose him and let him go. Lord. Hallelujah. You didn't know you had this power, did you? I got a minute 24, minute 23, minute 20, 32. Stand with me. God, I feel, I feel the Holy Ghost. I, I play the blood will never lose his power. I don't even know if the praise team can sing this old, but I just like, because I just feel the Holy Ghost moving in this house. I read a statement this week. Deidre, make that organ talk to me if you don't mind. I'm asking kindly. The blood will never lose its power. Make that thing talk to me. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to say something to you that's going to be hard, all right? Shoot from the hip. That's my style. But I love you so much. You know that. Prophet full of love. I read something this week. It hit me so hard between the eyes. I said, I gotta preach this, I gotta use this. And what the person said, obviously didn't say high praises. I'm gonna take the statement, I'm going to insert high praises into the, the statement, and then we're gonna, we're gonna deal with it, you ready? The statement is this, is it, and I'm gonna make it personal, is it that you see high praises as just a church to attend rather than God's church to build? I'm going to let that sink in. Is this just a place for you to attend? Or do you see this as a church to build? Because God's building a church. And you're part of the program. I don't want to stand before God and say, God, I went to church. And he'll say, good for you. But I needed you to be the church. We have church. I'm trying to contain myself, Shane, but I'm about to run. We have church for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. But when you leave here, that's when you start to be the church. I don't want to stand before God and be guilty of just attending church. This is my calling. This is your calling. This is the whole reason we're saved. One beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. The world has an identity crisis with Jesus and we've been called to tell them who Jesus is. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.